1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
0: Hello, it is the Royal Blue Podcast brought to you by the Liverpool Echo, I'm Ian Kroll and I'm joined by the Echo's Everton FC reporter Chris Beasley and we're here to react to Sean Dice's pre-match Manchester City press conference. We are live across YouTube and Facebook so please remember to like, follow and subscribe and submit your questions and opinion so I can put... Those questions and opinions to Chris, and we'll try and get some answers for you. First off, Chris,
1: how are you? Okay. Temperatures have plummeted, haven't they, today? And uh, i have got the Echo weekly five-a-side tonight, so it'll be one where we have to run around just a little bit more.
0: Oh, well, it's it's not sticking bad. bad looks of it, is it? So uh, it looks like the the pre-pitched check looks like it's going to be, <laughs> the, it's going to be okay. But, yeah, there's obviously uh, a big match on Saturday yeah. <laughs> whatever, and, uh, at the, at the Etihad, and we've... Uh, we both just watched Sean Dice's press yeah. conference, our NFC correspondent. Joe Thomas has been a, a Fid fan, but we've yeah. watched it back in the office and we're just yeah. gonna kinda talk through what Dice was said, what he yeah. was asked, and you know, some of the things. So um yeah, obviously Manchester City at the weekend is gonna mm-hmm. be a tough game. Um you know, we haven't won a game in you know, we haven't we've only had one one win in ten games. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a tough ask against the Premier League champions.
1: Of course, yeah. I mean, there was a time, obviously, that um, Everton actually had a, a really good record against Manchester City in the, in the period after they first got the money. Obviously, David Moyes famously said, didn't he? It was uh, like uh, taking a, a knife to a gunfighter uh, trying to compete with City's riches in, in those early years after the uh, the United Arab Emirates group came in there and uh, ploughed all the. Uh, their billions in into the club, but um, Everton, pl- um, plucky Everton, uh, obviously got a few decent results against them. But yeah, it's been a long time now. Not too sure just how long it's been now, but there's been a long sequence without um, a, a victory there either at, at Goodison or, or or the Etihad. So I mean, results like last season when they went there on New Year's Eve wasn't really anything expected of them kind of like the last hurrah for frank lampard's tenure i think there the fact that the gray um dug him out with that spectacularly cries and managed to get a, a share of spoils it was uh yeah i'm sure we we take that wouldn't we I, I guess on saturday
0: absolutely and as you mentioned last time i was it was a 1-1 draw it was a worthy spectacular goal from yeah to gray probably papered over the cracks for frank Lampard, Lampard a yeah. little bit but you know can we go there full of confidence, or can we go? Do we go there with a bit of trepidation? Obviously, Manchester City. They seem to have found the form now. Um, yeah. You know, are we? Are we looking just to to get away from the Etihad unscathed with injuries? Really?
1: Well, I don't want to be too negative to about. But I think that Sean Dyche does have. Um, a t- he's got a tough um, record there. with his, his time at Burnley. I think he's had a few hide and there. But um, with Everton, they don't tend to get turned over in terms of emphatic defeats. I mean, it's this now and they're going into a Manchester City team who are improving all the time scoring goals again. They do tend to sort of pick things up in the second half of the season as they're chasing these big prizes as they tend to do. Of course, they're attempting to become the first club in English football history to win the league four years on the trot. So they've obviously got plenty to play for in that respect. But Everton don't tend, let's say famous last words, to to, to, to get thrashed by opponents. And it only tends, was obviously, the game at Villa, first away game of the season when they were well off it. A lot of that was self-inflicted wounds. And then the game at um, Wolves just before the turn of the year and uh, when they were well beaten at Molyneux. And um, that seems to be at least a positive in what's obviously another tough season for Everton and that they're at least competitive even if they're not Getting the, the results from, from games, you know, that they are, they're never kind of blown away by opponents. But yeah, it's always the fear, isn't it, when you go to City, if they step things up a gear that they you know they're capable of, of of hurting you. But yeah, I think the one thing, another thing is that. Um, Away from home, I mean, Everton have been so much improved this season compared to the last couple of years when they really struggled on the road. I mean, ironically, of course, it's they need to be getting more wins at Goodison Park, but they don't have to go in trepidation. Of course, they'll be rank outsiders for this one, City so it be big favourites and, and 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 rightly so. But it, there's no need to think that Everton can't be competitive in this fixture. And if they if they can't keep it tight for uh, for a, a lengthy amount of time, I mean, they, they could always um, have a chance. I think the fear is if they if they concede early and and they're chasing the game, game um for most of the afternoon
0: cool so we're you know mainly here to talk about taish and his press conference mm. and, and what he was asked but just uh, before we get onto that then chris just to remind people listening and watching on youtube and facebook to like subscribe and share and also submit your questions in and we'll uh, put the questions and we'll try and answer them so yeah um as, as always no no really stand line from from dice's press conference he was his usual self but he did have a uh, player availability and injury updates in which you've yeah. uh, You've written a piece for the Liverpool Echo websites on. So, you know, no major comebacks other than we've got um what have we got? We've got Anana and Coleman making good progress really.
1: Yeah, you see he mentioned how um uh, Amadou uh, Anana was was uh, kind of stepping things up again you know, in that famous phrase that he always tends to use when back on the grass. Um, but he said he wouldn't be available for this weekend. I guess that just shows just how important it is to have a dresser gay back. He obviously came back last weekend, and I thought, um, well, obviously question marks about the goals Everton conceded in Tottenham and his role in that going forward. He was he was actually pressing a lot further forward than he did, and considering he had been out since the Tottenham away game, it was a big uh, plus to have him back and um, sort of firing on all cylinders. Yeah, but. Um, the big news, I guess, is is that top scorer Abdellah Dacoury remains out. He's only played in one of Everton's last ten matches. That was us the game against Aston Villa, the goalless draw and it's probably no coincidence that um, Everton haven't had a, a Premier League win since since he's he's been out you know, he's been so important to the way that Deitch's Everton play, went off at Burnley on the 16th of December with uh, hamstring precaution then that ended up being several weeks came back, to be fair, looked like no ill effects of it against Villa. He, he was up and down the pitch, actually the ball in the net, it was flagged offside but decent finish showed DCL how, how it was done in, when his one-on-one chance but yeah, and, um, he's, he remains out I I mean, that Dyke says that he is making progress and it is looking better, but he's certainly not going to be ready for this one. But maybe, I guess, you know, obviously, there's a bit of a, a gap then for the uh, the Crystal Palace game. A week come Monday, you might just say, Well, City's a free hit anyway, perhaps, you know, obviously, leave him out for that one. And uh, fingers crossed that he might be in contention to, to return against Palace for the home game.
0: Well, I was going to ask you that actually. Yeah. If even if the core was fifth, would you? Whether you want to phrase it like this or not, risking for Manchester City when there's a probably a you know a bigger game against Crystal Palace coming up. Uh, a week would
1: be nice. Yeah, I mean, Deitch often uses that phrase as a risk and reward. And this is probably one, given that it's been such a niggly injury with him for the hamstring and one leg. And then the other one, you probably would, on the outside, caution this one and saying, you know, yeah, of course, it'd be fantastic. The thought that the core come and end Everton's winless streak against City would pop up with a goal. You know, we play the percentages. It's probably better to try and give him that extra nine or 10 days, whatever it is, and uh, attempt to have him fit for Palace.
0: I mean, the stats don't lie, though, Chris. We haven't won a game in the league without core, have we? I know we've won the that one in the Cup, as, yeah. as previously mentioned, but he's just pivotal to, to what Dice wants to do and how, to Everton,
1: how Everton play. Yeah, it's been incredible, really. If you think in those latter days of, of Frank Lampard, how he was just totally... Um frozen out the squad. There'd obviously been a, a fallout there. I mean Decoray maintains he's not quite sure what happened and I'm, I'm sure he's got some kind of idea. But yeah, he, he was trained on his own, wasn't he? And then Dage came back in when Daige was first appointed, we thought, oh it's gonna be four four two. That's what he's predominantly played throughout his nine and a half years at Burnley. It wasn't it was four five one but with but with Decore playing as the most advanced central midfielder, the fact that he's such a box to box player he's able to get up and down that pitch and cover so much ground of any Yeah, he's shown that he's got an eye for a goal, so he has been pivotal. And then in the games that he's missed, Everton have have really sort of struggled to sort of replace him. They certainly can't get a like-for-like replacement. I think, to be fair, Jack Harrison's probably been done the best job of those who have sort of stepped into that kind of role, but he's a very sort of different player in that area. And yeah, as you said, the stats don't lie. It's just that one FA Cup uh, replay against Palace, when Andre Gomez scored with a free kick, so even that was obviously a dead ball situation, and they they have not won a game otherwise. That and that's you know what's that we're what we up to now about seven weeks and counting or whatever it is. And you know after those four consecutive victories that they got in the Premier League, I mean you know it's, it's, it's no surprise really that um, Luton have, have overhauled in that time. And uh, yeah, they, they're desperately needing a victory, but you know we we all fear that it might uh, might take a little bit longer than than Saturday to come.
0: Other players then, um, no Dan Juma, no Gomez, you know, not necessarily massive misses. Obviously, yeah. we would like them in in the in the team. They, you know, haven't really played massive roles, but they have, you know, featured in the last couple. So you could say a little bit of a miss, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think Andre Gomez done very well. I mean, obviously, he been frozen out for so long, um, hadn't played since the, he got hauled off in the Crystal Palace 3-2 in the spring at the last, uh, last home game of 21-22, and he had the year out and loan at Lille and, and France, and then he, he came back at, at the Tottenham game just before Christmas, but, yeah, he's carved out a little role for him, for, uh, especially, like I said, with De Corre being outside, he was another one who sort of filled in that that area in the advanced central midfield role, because I, I think about Andre Gomez, you know, he, 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 he gives me... Um, he makes me nervous when he's defending, uh, I think, you know, he... he his his challenges often aren't aren't the best, and he's always liable to to get you into trouble in that respect. But you know, going forward, um, he's much more easier on the eye, and he 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 done really well. So yeah, it's 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 disappointing that he's had yet another injury setback. And obviously he was down at Fulham, when uh, Dan Juma got hurt right at the end, I mean that been that was a big night for him just before the transfer window closed. We all knew how he'd been very keen to get extra minutes. And uh, that was an opportunity for him there. He, he probably should have scored in the first half and he cut inside from from the left and uh, his shot wasn't on target. And uh, yeah, ended up getting hurt right at the end. So he's not been seen since. So, but yeah, especially with the squad being so Fred uh, Dyke hasn't got a lot of uh, bodies to, to call upon. So you know, to have a couple of senior pros like that uh, missing, you know, it's, it's always going to be damaging uh, for the group. And he. Obviously, without wanting to give too much team news
0: away, he did remain a little bit coy over. Ananda and Coleman just kind of said that Ananda's back on on the grass, Coleman is coming back. But yeah. you know we could really do with Ananda back in that team. Certainly, if the Dakota is not in there. I mean, I'm I've been as Probably not as big as fan over the past yeah. couple of weeks and months, but uh, you know I do value the you know what he brings to the team. I I, I always want him to to yeah. do more, but he has been out injured and it's obviously been felt.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. With Anana, you you you're right there. I agree. You, you feel that he's got so much more in the locker. Uh, you think he's got so much potential. I mean, just such an imposing physical unit, but also clever as well in what he can do. You just think you want him to get take those games by the, the scruff of the neck. And you think when you're playing a big side like Manchester City, you know, big personality, big talent like him, it might be the kind of game that he'd flourish in and sort of rise to the occasion, really, um, sort of to test himself against the best players in the world and sort of show that he's at their kind of level. But yeah, he's had another one. He's had another one. He, picked up a lot of injuries in games where he's had to have treatment, hasn't he? He's gone down a lot of times and received treatment. We kept sort of soldiering on, but then it got to a point, what was it, fluid on the knee, and he's he's, he's, he's been out. So, yeah, he could be another... Potential big, um, big miss, but um, I'd imagine it'd probably be a, a similar sort of uh, set-up to the, the the way they played against um, Tottenham unless um, Sean Dyche wants to spring f- uh, a, a surprise. But yeah, Seamus Coleman came off the bench against Spurs and he played a part, a, a part in Everton, battling back for a point. And uh, it's also great to have Seamus in and around uh, the group just to... What he brings both for the footballing sense and also obviously he has the captain of the club and the sort of leadership qualities he displays. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo. Dice was kind of asked like Everton's yeah, approach to the game as opposed to just down my luck against you know the European champions. Yeah, but he said it's going to be it's going to be a tough afternoon, Chris. But he kind of just said we need to play well and defend yeah. well. Um, but obviously there's going to have to be a, probably an element of luck in there because, you know,
1: City are going to have a lot of chances, aren't they? Yeah, you, you'd think so. I mean, that, that's not necessarily a, a problem with Everton. The, they can defend um, a lot of these chances and they, it's not like they lose their heads. They, they Obviously, the Fulham game, the Fulham carved out quite a few chances set in half, but they kept cool heads and they were able to defend those. Like I said, the problem is if one does go in early and then they're chasing the game, yeah. remains one of the Achilles heels under, under Deitch. You'll see Everton infamously under Marco Silva never came from behind to win a Premier League game. That still remains the the, uh, the case a year on under Deitch now. As much as he's improved their mental resilience and got them um, made as a tougher unit. You know, if they, if they do go behind, they certainly struggled. Obviously, they went behind twice against Tottenham and managed to salvage a draw, so I suppose that was a good result in the circumstances. But they still haven't come behind to win, and it could be a long afternoon if if City were to get the noses in front early on. But I'm, I'm trying to remember back now to the game at the Etihad last season. obviously totally different manager and a set-up that uh, you know, Everton didn't, crumble there they didn't capitulate there uh they did come back in into the, the fray but yeah they, you'd imagine you know this sort of team that city are that they, they they will carve out a lot of chances longer the game goes on we saw at the game at goodison in between christmas and new year and obviously um, struck first blood there jack harrison putting them ahead and they were looking good for, for, for a, a good chunk of the game and then city finally sort of ground them down. Obviously, there was a controversial penalty Amadou and Arna with the, with the handball, uh, and that got them ahead. And then, they, obviously, they went on to get another one towards the end. But, yeah, you'd imagine it would be, it'd be a, a busy afternoon for the Everton defenders and, and the goalkeeper Jordan Pickford and just got to hope that they, they, they keep the cool and uh, those calm heads can sort of see them out. Because, I mean, I suppose the longer the game goes on, the more um, sort of the Everton belief would, would increase that they could get a result if, if they are managed to contain City.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And fingers crossed that is the case. <clears throat> um, we also thought this would be the case, but, you know, Sean Dice has confirmed that he is going to be banned from yeah. the push line. Um, you know, from basically what happened at the Tottenham game. Yeah, um, You know, we spoke. he spoke about that to the media at the press conference. Mm. He obviously clearly wasn't happy with the decision. You know, he said stuff like emotions run high in games and, you know, sometimes they might react. You know accordingly sometimes managers might overreact but um yeah he's not going to be on the touchline. yeah he's going to be in the stands at the etihad so how does that you know obviously not it's you have to see that as a, as a negative impact rather than a positive one
1: yeah if you watch sean dyche on the touchline um he is always a very demonstrative character he is always gesturing. he's always um, urging his players on offering them in- instructions all the time he's a very proactive manager and in, in that in that respect so he, his presence will be missed he spoke about the fact that he'll have an earpiece in and he'll be up in the stand and i his trusted lieutenancy and won and steve stone they'll be down there and the touchline they'll be relaying um those messages actually i remember a game uh, pre-season that we went to uh, um wigan athletic when sean dyche wasn't even there he was, he was over with the the other team that Everton had that day. there, I think, we were watching the youngsters play at tramme So it's not totally unprecedented. Obviously, it's it's a world uh, a difference. A pre season friendly at Wigan Athletic and a Premier League game against Manchester City as we get towards the the business end of the season. So um, yeah, he, he will be missed, and, and he spoke about that. He, he felt obviously the three yellow cards that he has picked up, which has given him his touchline ban, and see, Ian won the assistant he also served the touchline ban at West Ham early in the season picking up three yellow cards he felt he was reacting to what he felt were three bad decisions there and he says you know the only human he thought maybe just have a word of him that would have been more of a sensible option you know it's not like he was, he's mentioned other managers might be like uh, running up and down the touchline celebrating goals wildly or whatever they get up to these antics and all he in his defence has done a spoken out about what he just dis- he felt were bad decisions yeah. and he just thought the would be a more sensible approach than just like, like Michael Oliver last weekend just wading, wading over and showing him the yellow card it has got to be that sort of dialogue you know if he said something out of turn well I suppose f- fair enough but he, he, you know in the heat in the battle I'm sure there's plenty said on on those touch lines, and you might get to, to a point where you're getting all kinds of managers getting banned if it, if it carries on like this
0: Well he called it for the second foul on Beto yeah. against Tottenham and he also added um, another dig you know, at VAR, the referees, whatever. You know, you want to describe. He says everyone knows that and have another had, had penalty, so yeah. it's obviously common knowledge. Are we are we expecting a penalty against City? Surely,
1: surely not. I'd think it'd be long odds, wouldn't it? Get one um, at City, maybe, maybe only longer odds get one at Anfield. I don't know uh, for, <laughs> to have even the cop end. Um, yeah, I, I seem to remember actually on the other end of the pitch um, a game at Manchester City where Martin Stecklenberg saved two penalties, yeah. didn't he, for, for Everton? But in terms of Everton getting one, yeah, I mean, I mean they, 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 the, the numbers don't add up. I did a piece um, this week because obviously rival fans of uh, 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 certain teams in particular might, might say, ah, they've got to get into the opposition penalty area to to get a penalty uh, as a Tumbleweed goes past, you know, we see jibes like that. But we actually looked at it. Okay, I'm not saying that Everton are the you know the uh, the most attacking team in the Premier League. They're clearly not. But we looked at the numbers, and they've actually had more touches in the opposition box than seven other Premier League teams. So a third of the division there. So they are getting into those areas. They've had numerous penalty shouts. You know, it, it 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 doesn't stack up. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're the only team in the Premier League not to have been uh, awarded a penalty. I'm not going into all conspiracy theories here, but it just it, it doesn't make sense that they haven't. I think three quarters of the division now possibly had at least two penalties, something like that. And I think Chelsea are on about eight or something ridiculous. So, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got to keep sort of banging on about this because if we don't and if Sean Dyche doesn't know who, who, who else is you're not going to get anyone else sticking up for Everton but yeah it, it, it's it's weird isn't it and it certainly doesn't help with all what's going on about the Premier League at the moment as we speak we're obviously waiting on the the results on Everton's 10 point um, um, appeal how well, that's gone and what what sort of uh, point to get back if, you know, if, if any of all of them or something in between that or some kind of other punishment role, sort of wait and see where Everton stand. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it's just strange that they've had these stringer decisions, not just VAR decisions going against them and stuff like that, but you know, penalties not given. It's weird that at this point in the season, they still haven't had one and they're only, the only Premier League team who hasn't. I think it's like, was it something like 60-odd penalties been given in the Premier League this season. So, Everton yeah. haven't had one? No.
0: Positive stuff then, Chris. Yeah. Um, Adrisa Garnic, yeah. a fantastic performance uh, against Spurs. Maybe uh, something that we didn't expect, you know, considering that he'd only just come back from the African Cup of Nations and he had uh, one day's training. I think that yeah. said he was given a darn day, uh, but you know he did play very well against um, Spurs and you know plans to feature now against yeah. City as well. So how important is, is he going to be, especially if the likes of you know
1: Anana is not going to make make that team? Yeah, and I imagine he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be in there in the thick of it. I'm just interested in how he actually plays away from home because, like I mentioned earlier, he was doing a lot of high pressing against Tottenham, sort of getting a lot further forward than we used to see him with him. I wonder if he'll sort of adopt his more sort of traditional role as sort of as a, um, a protector of the, the back four there, operating just in front of the uh, penalty area and just how the dynamic with him and James Garner works out. But, yeah, it was, it was an um, impressive display, certainly going forward. From Gay, But he's, still, he's got that um, in his locker hiring experience, player-proven Premier League quality. And he hadn't had a lot of football. I mean, obviously, he hadn't played for Everton since the Tottenham away game when he got injured just before Christmas. And then he'd gone to the Africa Cup of Nations with Senegal, who were the defending champions at the time. And... Uh, Hadn't played. He'd been injured at the start, so he was fit enough to take his place. But he wasn't picked because he was obviously coming back from that injury at the start, and he didn't have a lot of minutes in, in, in his locker in that tournament. So he's kind of come back fresh. Really, he had a bit of a winter break of sort of, maybe a bit, a, bit, a, bit, a bit of sunshine back in the the Ivory Coast. So it'd been a light load for him, and he and he come back. So yeah, it, it is good that he's, he's fit and firing again.
0: And he was at he was kind of asked or quizzed, whatever way you want to look at it, on him, um, on Carver Lubin mm. Obviously, last week, you know, we all thought he he got that first goal after yeah. um, many games without not scoring. Yeah. I think it, is it it was sixteen. Yeah, it's now up to seventeen. Up to seventeen yeah. now. So, you know, Harrison stole that from him, whatever way yeah. you want to look at it. Um, unlucky, but again, he a dice. You know, backed him again. He said his yeah. performances have been good enough. uh makes vital contributions to the team. Are we are we still along the same? trajectory with, with Carbot Lewin. Are we obviously we I think we've are all in agreement at this moment in time whether you've changed your mind or not. Mm. He probably still is the best option. Yeah. the over better.
1: Yeah, I mean it, if that had just been given, I mean it would have just been a weight off his shoulders. I mean, it's easy for us to say, but it's kind of an anomaly really. But it will play on his mind, of course. I mean, he thought he'd ended the the dock, the um the goal was awarded to him at the time. And I've seen him and Harrison are kind of in the same area and then eventually they've had another look at it and said, oh, it's Jack Harrison's goal. I think Jack Harrison probably didn't even want it in the circumstances. He'd rather give it to Calvert-Lew and give it to his number nine who who needs a goal. That's Probably felt a bit embarrassed. Yeah, a so they, they, they pair of them were kind of laughing at the time and you could see there was, oh, I wonder which one this is going to come down or whatever. And But yeah, he must be absolutely kicking himself, Carver loon because as much as he, as he sees, he's to say, oh, well, he's getting in the right positions and he's doing well or whatever, it will play on his mind. He won't like the fact that he's gone 17 games or scored. I suppose the only sort of positive thing is it's an interesting number, that 17, because... That's the total number of games he played of all of last season and the season before. He only played in 17 Premier League games those two seasons. Oh, was it 17 total? Um, so the fact that he's actually there to stay fit and he's relying upon him and you know he's not picking up those niggles, that's got to be a positive that, okay, he's solved his fitness issues now and hopefully those goals can come again because he has proven quality at this level. He's not necessarily prolific, but he's one of only four players to have scored 50 Premier League goals. For everton and, uh romelu lukaku uh, uh tim cale and duncan ferguson so he's obviously uh, in, in good company there and it's a bit of a, a rare accomplishment so easy he, they will come but it, it just obviously would be nice if they come sooner rather than late so it's not playing on his mind and getting to the rhythm because when. He wasn't scoring at the start of this run. Everton was still winning the games. It's not like they needed him to score all of those four wins in a row were achieved um, without a Calvert-Lewin goal to get the win at Forest. The first one of that sequence was achieved without Calvert-Lewin in the team. So it's not like it's vital for Everton to win for him to be scoring goals, but it just would help, wouldn't it, having the number nine uh, sort of confident again and also when he does score he tends to get them in batches gets a bit of a flurry as a purple patch. so you'd hope that there'd be a few more on the horizon
0: I mean he was also asked about just away from football matters he was also asked about the points deduction appeal but absolutely no point in asking Sean Dice about that because he he couldn't give give us anything he he knew absolutely nothing about it so we will quickly move on from that because we know we're not we're not expecting a decision on that. Imminently it's gonna be over the next couple of days, if not, you know, late into next week, isn't it? So um back to football on matters and yeah. um, he had very much praise for uh Brantwaite and, uh, and James Tarkovsky. Obviously Brantwaite scored the last minute equalism goal um against Spurs last week. You know, it was <laughs> I did I was obviously I weigh in Goodison. Yeah. I watched it on the telly. So it seemed like it was an agonising way for the <laughs> for those in the grounds. But I think if you watched it back on the TV, I think you probably knew about 30 seconds before that it was a goal. Yeah. Because you could clearly see it's and the you know, they gave it. But, um, you know, Brandt right now adding goals to his game, which, you know, from a set piece, something that we talked about, Everton haven't scored enough set pieces. Yeah. And then we get two kind of in, in one game last week. Um, we'll touch on the set pieces as well, yeah. but just on Brandweig, just... Good to see him getting up there and getting a
1: goal. Yeah, I mean, typical Diatch if you notice. If you if you ask him a question saying has X Y or Z done well, he'll say yeah, but then so as yeah. A B and C. That's a typical response from Diatch, isn't it? But it's all about obviously that team ethic and uh, it's not about individuals. But yeah, the I mean, it was an incredible moment for me. It's a lovely moment. As you mentioned, the, the weight I mean, it's bad enough it, for us in the press box and goodsons all got two t- television screens in the in the whole. Uh, Um, press box, a lot of these grounds now you get obviously an individual monitor each so obviously waiting wait until the the big stadium move before we get improvements in that score so it's often difficult to see those replays and uh, yeah but you could see from the footage, obviously the free kick from James Garner come off Romero's head. So he couldn't be offside in that respect. As far did really well, he was he was strong, he was brave. He wanted that more than their keeper. You know, he the opportunity. He might have banged into the post as well. He by the way moaned all afternoon. Ah oh, no, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a good goalkeeper, but he doesn't like he doesn't like you can see with the crosses, stuff like that. He did and he sort of moaned about the the first goal. I think he said he'd been fouled there as well or something like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was whinging, wasn't he? He didn't like it, but yeah, uh, I don't think I'd like it to be fair. Jared Bramford was was running at me like that, but yeah, it's, I, <laughs> no. I just he's um, absolute monster, isn't he? But um, yeah, because of that, you'd he'd, he'd like to think he would be he'd be scoring more goals in those um, sort of areas. You know, what is he? Six foot five, absolute um, unit, young lad, absolutely total fit, top top of his game, confident. Yeah, let's hope we can. That can come, come more of a regular feature because I think the only one that he got previous was at Chelsea a couple of years before, so that was his first goodness goal. Yeah, great moment for him for it for the youngster, and hopefully he more of that. But in terms of the set pieces. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think it was a crucial moment because it actually meant that um. Everton scored more goals from set pieces this season than they have from open play, so it just shows you what an important weapon that is for for Everton. Only Arsenal, I think, could score more now from from set pieces, and they should. They, so they should be. They're, they're I think they're the biggest team in the Premier League in terms of the average height.
0: Doesn't feel like. Doesn't,
1: doesn't feel yeah, like that at all, does it? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose as, as um, Big An said afterwards he said it's not like they scored two from two they have maybe 30 set pieces or whatever so it's not like they're doing it all the time but yeah obviously it's, 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 they're big moments and uh, you do feel a bit like an honor. they should be doing more um, they've got people who can deliver the ball into those areas get Garner with that free kick or Dwight McNeil from the corner kick so yeah they'd have to see big talk head as well I mean there's a few in there <laughs> I'm going to do Anana another thing we should be saying about him he should be scoring more goals at, despite his height he has scored headed goals, but you just think, you know, he could improve his heading technique as well. So there's a few like likely candidates in there to get the end of it. Of course, Dominic Calvert Lewin, who when he's on his game, he's probably as good as anyone at any centre forward in the Premier League in terms of aerial ability. So yeah, they, 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 there's, there's plenty of options in there, and uh, yeah, they could be crucial between now and the end of the season. Just how many goals Everton can get from um, set pieces, because obviously I've said Arsenal are one, Everton are two, Luton Town the three. So they, as we saw at Goodison they they can do it as well so it might be a bit of a not a penalty shootout but something of a bit of a set-piece shootout between now and the end of the season
0: yeah it could be an interesting one excuse me so just on the um, Dice not wanting to praise um, individuals too much he was also asked about Jordan Pickford who got praise from the journalist who asked him questions you know nine clean sheets but basically Dice just put that down to the fantastic defensive unit that you know Everton seemed to have uh, you know bonded together really I mean what you know we know Pickford's qualities, um, but you you probably would say that you know that the five as a whole have been you know top quality you know th- this season certainly Michaleenko I know the the right back yeah uh, full back position has always you know swapped and changed a little bit but the consistent four. Mm. Tarkovsky, Branthwaite, Mikhelenko and Pickford, you know, they have been fantastic this season.
1: Yeah, it's been a good base, as you say, other than the right-back, which has been a movable feast. Ashley Young's been there most of the season, Nathan Patterson, Coleman dipping in and out. But, yeah, the rest of them have been a real solid base and Mikhelenko deserves a lot of credit as well there because he's yeah. from, In terms of, obviously, yeah, Branthwaite's come from nowhere and come back from a long spell, but in terms of people who were around last season michelenko surely the biggest sort of improvement to on the, the actual levels from where they were last season which is interesting given that he yeah, had actually youngest and, and you know the best probably the best left back in premier league history is his coach for the first half of last season but still couldn't improve him but it's only when sean dych and his team are coming is improved. but yeah um the unit as a whole they're obviously all doing well and they sort of know each of us. Games now and they're playing as a unit, but I think still John Pickford has had to make quite a lot of top draw saves at various points there. Um, yeah, he has got a good defensive in playing in front of him, and they are solid. But he's still been pretty busy in a lot of games. I was down at that game at Fulham. He he said that save that he made there was routine, routine. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure. It looks a bit better than that for me, and. Uh, How many times has he done that? Even against Tottenham, obviously, last weekend was about three, wasn't there? One-on-one, stuff like that we'd had to save him. So, yeah, I think um, it was fair enough. He's he's the best non-Brazilian goalkeeper in in the Premier League. And I don't know, he still gets all this stick wherever he goes from various different fan bases. But hopefully that just means he remains Everton's Jordan Pickford for a a long time to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's been, you know, a fantastic sign, and it's just disappointing that we haven't been able to turn, you know, probably his quality of goalkeeping into, you know, the results that we yeah. he probably deserves. And you know, it has been tough. But Lewis Dobbin also brought up in the in the press conference, um, a player who have kind of like called for more game time over the over the the past couple of weeks, and you know, mm. maybe is leaning towards th- that sort of thing. Um, how close is he to? to start and again he very coy he didn't want to give too much away yeah. but how close is he to getting more game time do you think yeah.
1: well Dan Juma is obviously injured now I mean he's been getting ahead of Dan Juma at times but with Dan Juma injured maybe maybe we will get a few more um, opportunities he certainly did well when he came on um, against uh, Tottenham and getting the crosses in there the chance for Chimiti that he, that he fashioned as as well, he he's done really well. You got to remember, he was on playing League One last season, and when he came in at the start of the season, you thought, well, he's the sort of player from that level, and that you know he's he's athletic and he'd get at the defence, but. And a bit raw, but you know he's looked. He's improved. He's got obviously, that that first goal against Chelsea before Christmas, and he he's looked um, live, lively at times. I think Dyke isn't the one. I mean, he has blooded youngsters. Obviously, he gave Dwight McNeil his his chance in a similar position at Burnley he's, as a youngster there. Obviously, fewer resources there, so it's not like he's averse to bringing young youngsters through. And I think it is Dobbin twenties. He might even turn twenty one now. So you know, he's not an absolute not a kid. But, um, yeah, I just wonder, he does like to keep that settled side, so maybe not in the starting lineup unless they get a, a couple of bad injuries or, or whatever. But he's certainly knocking on the door, and he's, he's got, certainly got scope for regular minutes um, coming off the bench in, in the weeks to come, unless, like I said, they do get injuries, and he decides to swap him, uh, but swap the side around. But he doesn't tend to do that, does he?
0: Before we finish off, then, Chris, just to just reference again to Tyson, is a touchline ban and he kind of, he kind of like said he wanted more tolerance, uh, tolerance sorry, from the referees, you know, yeah. we understand that referees, or he kind of suggested, he understand that referees make bad decisions but sometimes managers can overreact and make bad decisions as well. Um, You kind of touched off on it before yeah. with the the technical area but he just wants consistency overall yeah. when you see, you know, managers who, you know, running out of the technical area after the team scored the last minute goal yeah. and nothing's ever happening to them. That, obviously is a frustration for, for all, not just Dyche, it's, it's a frustration for everyone. Um, you know, you'd go as far as to say if Dyche ran out of his technical area and, and after a last-minute goal, he would be punished because that just seems to be the way the way of the wind at this moment in time. But do, does, he, does he have a case with, with regards to, you know, the referees to be,
1: needing to be more tolerant? Yeah, I think it's with, with everything, it? you just want that consistency with decisions and you don't tend to get that. I mean, obviously there was that infamous decision. I'm sorry infamous moment in the, in the Merseyside derby when uh, Jurgen Klopp didn't just run out of his area ran into the centre circle and I think he did get punished for that he got he got he got a fine for that, oh, that it's interesting you know how uh, Klopp reacted like that and then would later on go on about how they, the the derby match was Everton's world cup final I think that grated with a few blues after you know what was Potentially a very dangerous move by Klopp in a you know a high-profile game like that and last-minute winner you know, running onto the pitch. So, yeah, the um, tend to sort of keep grounded in that respect. You don't see him doing cartwheels on the touchline. I think even the Bournemouth game last season, you know, he he wasn't running around like a madman when the Corey scored or anything like that. He keeps sort of keeps his cool, and that's one of his plus points in that he sort of remains on a level. Not that he's, you know, he's any less passionate or it doesn't mean anything, you know, he's just good at sort of containing himself in that respect. But what he will do, you know, challenge decisions and if something doesn't um, go his way, I suppose he's doing it res- respectfully, you know, it's, it's it's not a problem, but obviously he's picked up these three these yellow cars now. And, it, you know, it is a problem if he starts like, having to... Being the league stands for uh, any sort of prolonged period of it happens again, so yeah, you just want that. Con- like I think referees just want that consistency, so you know where you know you start where you stand in terms of decisions.
0: Just finally, then Chris, we'll finish off now. But you know, kind of the whole pre- pre- press conference was based around the, the City game, and I think Dice, as a realist, he did suggest that he was open that City would have a bit of a soft performance, yeah. a bit of an off day, and he said. Maybe you know it was more about containing Manchester City rather than going on the offensive. Um, you know that seems to be the suggestion. But obviously, you know he's he's a positive manager. He is going to yeah. look to score goals as well. You yeah. know whether that's you know uh, just to, to nick a one-nil But How do you, how do you see it? Are we uh, you know have we got have we got a chance?
1: Yeah, he's always got a chance. But I think Deitch is right in what he says that. Everton have to play well and and City have to have an off day. If those two factors don't combine, then we're not going to see a positive result. We saw um, a Goodison, um, I've mentioned already, just after Christmas. Everton were ahead and they were ahead for for a little while there, weren't they? And... uh, Still wasn't enough, um, ultimately. Um, you just, you've just got to... I mean, there's been times when they've you know, we've gone there before against very good city sides, and they have managed to result... I mean, it's obviously been a long time since uh, they've got a win there. It's got to happen at some point, but it's not like I'm going to be putting the mortgage on, on that one for, for Saturday. But they, they, I think that they, they tend to be in games most of the time, so the hope is that they can keep it tight and if you if you get into the second half and you know it's, it's still relatively close, even if it's um you know even if it's only like say like one 0 down or one goal def- deficit or whatever, you know you you got to hope that they could come back like they did against Tottenham and get something out of the game. You just you just you just don't want to be yourself, so uh, ch- chasing it if they, if they uh, get, uh, come out the, the breaks uh, out the track sorry uh, quickly uh, and the, the plan has to be kept containment for for as long as possible. You gonna give a prediction? <laughs> should, should, I, should I be um, positive then and say that a, a, a repeat of um, last season, 1-1? One, one. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty positive, that, isn't it?
0: That is very positive. Yeah. I'm going to go 2-0 defeat. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> well. apologise to you and to those listening, but yeah. I'm a realist. But that doesn't mean to say that I don't want Everton to win. Yeah. Obviously not. Okay, Chris, we'll call it time there. Um, just a reminder to people watching live on YouTube and Facebook... To like, follow, and subscribe to the Facebook page and YouTube channel. We'll be back with plenty of ever content across all of our social platforms and the website. And Chris, you and Joe are going to be at the SEAD as well. You want to maybe just a little touch on that. What you're going to be? Uh, what you're going to be doing?
1: Yeah, definitely a bit of a, an uh, an early one um, for us. Um, yeah, um, really leaving around uh, 9 o'clock for that one uh, yeah the FTC, obviously did the, the live blog there and uh, we'll have our usual uh, it's become a regular feature now our little Facebook live uh, once the, the teams have, uh, have dropped um, there and then obviously we have the, the verdict from Joe and the, the player reigns I'm sure that everyone he loves to, uh, to disagree with me uh, going up afterwards and the, and the analysis all the managers quote so yeah be a busy day but that's a, that's uh, and obviously becoming a regular feature now the, the Facebook live uh, once the teams have dropped so our before kick off get on the echo uh, website and you can listen to uh, the pearls of wisdom from Joe myself
0: fantastic so there'll be plenty more on the Manchester city game with reaction um to come Saturday afternoon so yeah this has been the Royal blue podcast uh, thanks for listening thanks for watching and we'll see you again soon
1: you've been listening to the Royal blue podcast from the Liverpool echo.